Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. I hope everyone had a great weekend and that your week is off to a fantastic start. Last week, we looked at various melodic treatments and applied them to a minor arpeggio, the C minor arpeggio. We explored the various ways that jazz pianists throughout history, the last 100 years, have traditionally harmonized, orchestrated melodies. We looked at their melodic treatments. And the five treatments that I introduced last week were the single note treatment that I associated with Bud Powell, the unison line treatment, Oscar Peterson, the right-hand octave with the added fifth treatment, Red Garland. The locked hand, locked hands treatment, George Shearing. And the fourthy structure treatment, Herbie Hancock. This week, we are going to continue to discover, learn, and play these five classic melodic treatments. However, this week we are going to apply them to a dominant sound, a dominant chord, a dominant melody. Now, some of you may be thinking, whoa, this information, these jazz piano skills, these melodic treatments, are beyond my current level. To which I say, so what? <laughs> right? So what? If you are one of the ones out there right now listening, and currently having these thoughts, these thoughts that, wait a minute, this is way too complicated, I want to take a moment to stress to you how no jazz piano skill is beyond your attention. No jazz piano skill is beyond your study. And there is never no better time than the present to be introduced to new and advanced jazz piano skills. In fact, you want, you actually want your jazz piano knowledge to be way out in front of your physical ability, always. Let me say that again. You want your jazz piano knowledge to be way out in front of your physical ability. <laughs> Always. In other words, you want to know way more than you can play. And in doing so, you establish the proverbial dangling carrot that you are going to chase when practicing. Your advanced head knowledge will be what motivates you to consistently practice. Knowing the components of the big picture and their practical and contextual application is what validates the importance of practicing the fundamentals, your chords, your scales, your arpeggios, what I like to call the grunt work. So all of that to say, Always take any and all opportunities 
to immerse yourself in the opportunities to explore jazz piano skills that are beyond your current knowledge base and skill level. This is always a prerequisite to getting better. So don't run away from perceived advanced jazz piano skills. Instead, run towards them and do so quickly. Now, on the other hand, if you think these five melodic treatments that we are going to discover, learn, and play today are too easy for you, then I would say to you, stop it. (laughs) Stop lying to yourself, right? These melodic treatments are not too easy for you. And the reality is, the master mastery of these melodic treatments is something that all, and I mean all, professional jazz pianists continue to strive towards achieving on a daily basis and will do so for the rest of their lives. Bottom line, another prerequisite for getting better is to learn how to be completely honest with oneself with regards to your current level and what you can and cannot do on the piano. So see, this is why I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again this week. Today's Jazz Piano Skills Podcast episode, Jazz Piano Skills Podcast lesson, is for the beginner, intermediate player, advanced player, and even the experienced professional. Before we dig in, I want to personally invite you to join Jazz Piano Skills, to become a Jazz Piano Skills member. If you are already a Jazz Piano Skills member, wonderful. I'm thrilled. However, if you are not, please take a minute to join. You will be so glad that you did. All Jazz Piano Skills members enjoy full access privileges to everything on the site to all jazz piano skills educational content all the educational podcast guides that i develop for each podcast episode uh, all the jazz piano skills interactive and sequential courses all of the jazz piano skills master classes that i that i hold every week on thursday evening and of course the personal educational support that is provided as well. There are three membership packages to choose from, all of them ridiculously economical, ranging from $50 a month, which is $1.67 a day, (laughs) right, to $20 a month, which is $0.67 a day. Come on, right? It's such a great deal. The educational resources, the materials are fantastic. And will, without a doubt, without a shred of doubt, will expedite and maximize your musical growth. <laughs> no doubt about it. So take a second to visit jazzpianoskills.com to get all of the details and start your membership. I look forward to getting to know you and helping you in any way that I can to become an accomplished 
jazz pianist. Okay, it's time to discover, learn, and play dominant arpeggio treatments. So today, you are going to discover five dominant arpeggio treatments. You are going to learn how to construct each dominant arpeggio treatment, and you are going to play the dominant arpeggio treatments used by many of the jazz greats. Bud Powell, Oscar Peterson, Red Garland, George Shearing, Herbie Hancock. So again, regardless of where you are in your jazz journey, a beginner, an intermediate player, advanced player, or even an experienced professional, you will find this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson exploring dominant arpeggio treatments to be very beneficial. When we begin the process of learning how to apply various treatments to a melody, we begin to learn how to orchestrate. And as defined last week, to orchestrate is the ability to arrange or direct the elements of a situation to produce a desired effect. In other words, we become an artist. We begin to take an artistic approach to the music we play. And this, of course, is our ultimate goal. You study music because you want it to be an artistic endeavor. Because it is an artistic endeavor. It's an artistic outlet. It is a way for you to be expressive. And I said it last week, it's a way for you to be you. So when you move, when you begin to move beyond what I called last week the dot button approach to music, right? That when you're looking at a piece of music, that note, that dot means to push that button. And that note, that dot next to it means to push that button. When you begin to move beyond the dot button approach to music to play in the piano and you move toward the application and context of shapes and sounds, you begin to think about musical treatments, the musical treatments that we're going to discuss today, right? You begin to think like an artist. So we are going to begin this journey today with the very first treatment, the single note treatment. And I'm going to be modeling everything using the F dominant uh, seven, F dominant seven chord today. So I am going to be focusing on the root, the third, the fifth, and the seventh. F, A, C, E flat, F dominant. And the single note treatment is it's pretty straightforward, right? It's uh, your ability to play that sound, that dominant sound, the F dominant sound, the root, third, fifth, and seventh, ascending and descending with ease, right? With ease and, and, and making it sound musical and not like an exercise. So what I'm going to demonstrate now is just simply 
practicing ascending and descending the F dominant sound, the root, third, fifth, and seventh, uh, focusing on playing with a really nice feel, a really nice articulation. And again, uh, I'm going to, when you hear me play this, you're going to hear me play it first using half notes, then quarter notes, then eighth notes, followed by a little improvisation. Now, when I practice arpeggios, I do not just practice going up, coming down, going up, coming down, right? That would be like an exercise. Instead, what I do is I'll practice ascending motion. When I get to the top, I will rest for a measure in order to make some assessments. What did I do good? What was bad? What was ugly? What adjustments do I need to make, right? Then I'll play the arpeggio descending. And when I get to the bottom, again, I take a moment of rest, like a measure of rest, and I go through the assessment process again. What was good? What was bad? What was ugly? What needs to be changed? What adjustments need to be made? This is called practicing, right? My mind, my ears, and my hands are all actively engaged and in sync, interacting with one another, making these assessments. It's called practicing. If any one of those components, mind, ears, hands, are not actively engaged, you're not practicing. You're going through motions, and you're, you are not practicing, and you will not, you will not achieve the goals that you're hoping to achieve. So when I bring the ensemble in here, I'm going to practice uh, my F dominant sound, single note treatment, right? I've just got my a voicing in my left hand. Any voicing will do. If you want to do a traditional shell, you can. A contemporary shell, if you want to do just a straight up block voicing, you can do that. So some voicing in your left hand, and I'm going to practice ascending and descending on that F dominant. I'm going to use half notes the first time, quarter notes the second time, eighth notes the third time, then a little improvisation using only those notes, using only those notes, right? Now, keep in mind, I'm only going to do the half note, uh, use half notes one time. But if I was practicing, I would do it several times. I'm only going to play quarter notes one time. But if I was practicing, I would do repeat that several times. And the same with the eighth notes. You're going to hear it just one time. But in reality, I would be going through that sequence multiple times when practicing. So, okay. So let's, uh, let's bring the ensemble in. Let's listen to the single note treatment of the F dominant sound, ascending and descending through the root, third, fifth, and seventh. Let's check it out. Here we go.
Very nice, right? Some thoughts, okay? Just some thoughts. Number one, uh, you can make a whole lot of music, right? Just using the root, third, fifth, and seventh of a sound. When I improvised there, I did not use any uh, enclosures. I didn't use any approaches, half-step approachments to any of the notes. I didn't use any notes outside the key or outside the scale. In other words, I didn't do any fancy-smancy stuff. I was just using the notes of the sound. And uh, you can make a whole lot of music doing just that. Uh, I mentioned earlier um, that when I was demonstrating that there, right, I played through the dominant sound using half notes only one time, and then uh, quarter notes, and then eighth notes. I hope that makes sense to you what I was, what I, after you heard the demonstration, what I was doing there, right? In other words, if I was practicing, I would go through each of those segments several times. But for the sake of the podcast, so this is not a three-hour podcast, right? I'm only doing it one time. Uh, I also mentioned uh, about the voicings in your left hands, you know, a left hand using either like a traditional shell or a contemporary shell or even a straight-up kind of block format. Uh, that either any of those voicings would are fine when practicing. Uh, so if you need some help with any of those voicings, there are previous podcast episodes that I have done where I talk specifically about the traditional shells and contemporary shells. And there are educational guides available for you to open and download and utilize when practicing to help you with these voicings. That is, of course, if you are a member and you have access to those guides. If you're not a member, join, and then you can utilize those guide uh those guides dealing with the voicings to help you. Okay, so now let's move on to treatment number two, right? The unison line treatment, or what I call the Oscar Peterson style, right? So instead of just playing the F dominant now in a single uh, line, now we're going to double that with the left hand. But again, I'm going to keep things very simple. I'm only going to use the root, third, fifth, and seventh through the entire demonstration, right? And again, I'm going to start off playing it in half notes, ascending motion in half notes, descending motion in half notes, then doing the same thing for the uh, using quarter notes, and then the same thing using eighth notes. Again, I'm going to rest at the top of the arpeggio. I'm going to rest at the bottom of the arpeggio. Why? To assess. I want to know what I'm doing good, what I'm doing bad, what I'm doing ugly, and make those changes. How is my feel? How is my time? How is my articulation? Do I sound like a jazz pianist? All of that I'm quickly assessing and then making adjustments. Okay? So now let's bring the ensemble back in. And let's listen to our F dominant arpeggio using the octave, unison uh, octave treatment between the two hands, the Oscar Peterson style. Okay, let's check it out, then we'll talk about it. Here we go.
Nice. You know, it, it never ceases to amaze me. By just doubling the melodic line between the two hands, an octave apart, or you can spread it out even further, right? Two octave apart. But I would, I would just keep it an octave apart for right now. But it never ceases to amaze me when doubling the melodic line an octave apart, how that radically changes the sound of the melody that we're playing, whether that melody be a arpeggio or maybe the melody of a tune. Like, for instance, if you take uh, uh, Duke Ellington's A-Train. Single finger, right? Single note treatment of the melody. Now, what if I double that melody? Listen how different that sounds. Changes everything, right? It's amazing. Just the octave, just the octave alone. But that's the whole point of these treatments, right? We have a melody, whether it be a simple arpeggio like we're demonstrating today, or a melody of a tune. And we add a treatment to that melody, and it changes the complexion of that song. That's what we mean by orchestrating, right? Adding a treatment, thinking like an artist. It's really fantastic. I know we are covering a lot of ground today, a ton of ground. It, well, as we do in every Jazz Piano Skills podcast episode. And and that is why, because we do cover so much in such a short period of time, that is why I developed the educational podcast guides for each episode, right? These guides are developed to help you digest this information in a more thorough and complete way. Right, I developed three uh, po- podcast guides for each episode: the illustration guide, the lead sheet guide, and the play along guide. And again, if you are a member of Jazz Piano Skills, you have you have one click access to these amazing resources. Right, they're there waiting for you to utilize. And if you're listening to this podcast through the Jazz Piano Skills website, then you can see. Right below the podcast player there, you can see those three orange buttons, Discover, Learn, and Play. Simply click on the button to open each educational guide. And you can use the guides right there on the screen of your smart device, or you can download them, print them, and take them to your piano. Incredibly easy, incredibly invaluable. So if you're not a Jazz Piano Skills member, join. It's easy, fast, and you'll have access to these educational resources immediately. And for you new listeners, uh, the illustration guide, just so you know, it helps you discover the Jazz Piano Skill conceptually. The imagery, the graphics are amazing. Your physical growth as a jazz pianist depends 100% on your mastery of the jazz piano skills mentally. It's your conceptual understanding that fuels your physical development, right? The illustration guides will help do exactly that for you. The lead sheet guides use traditional music notation to help you successfully learn the jazz piano skill physically, right, under your fingers. 
And if you're a reader, which I strongly encourage you to become at least a functional reader, then you will love seeing these concepts placed upon the musical staff. The lead sheets are perfect to have sitting on your piano as a quick reference when you are getting these these treatments uh, under your fingers, right? So there are 12 lead sheets um, for each podcast episode for each jazz piano skill, right? One for each of the 12 keys. So I just don't, I demonstrate in one key, right? But the guides, all of the guides, the illustrations, the lead sheets, the play-alongs, they're all laid out in all 12 keys. And speaking of the play-along guide, uh, the play-alongs are perfect to help you successfully play these treatments or the jazz piano skill being taught in the podcast episode. The play-along tracks will help you develop a strong sense of internal time plus proper jazz feel and articulation. I say it all the time. A teacher cannot teach you these essential elements of playing jazz piano. You must experience them in order to properly develop them. And there's no better way to do this than to use quality play-along tracks. Bottom line, as a jazz piano skills member, you should be using these educational podcast guides, these educational resources to, to expedite and maximize your musical growth. Additionally, as a Jazz Panel Skills member, if you ever need help, right? If you ever need help, I'm always one click away. You can send me a quick voicemail message uh, using the SpeakPipe widget that is nestled directly beneath each podcast player on the Jazz Piano Skills website. Send me a voice message and I will send you one back with an answer. It's cool technology. Don't be a scaredy cat. Use it, reach out to me, and I'll get right back to you. If you are a scaredy cat and you don't want to do a, a leave me a voicemail message, you can uh, hey you can get help through the private uh, uh, community, through the the skills forums or the private Facebook group. Always a great place to get assistance as well. Or hey, attend the Thursday evening masterclass that I host every Thursday evening online. Uh, the class is from eight p.m. Central Time to 9 p.m. It's an hour long, plenty of time to get all of your questions and answers uh, laid out for you. So, so many ways to get help. And again, my entire goal here is to provide you with the best jazz piano lessons, the best jazz piano educational materials and resources, and the best jazz piano support that's available anywhere today. Okay, so now let's move on to treatment number three. Treatment number three is our octaves in the right hand, our melody being played in octaves in the right hand with a fifth inserted between the octaves. So now our F dominant, instead of our melody being played just F, A, C, E flat, we're going to play that melody in octaves. But now we're going to drop a fifth in between each of those octaves. So now my F has a C in the middle. My A, my octave A, has an E flat 
in the middle, which is like a diminished fifth, right? A tritone. Then my octave C has a G in the middle. And then my octave E flat has a B flat. So it gives us a really nice chime effect. Again, this treatment was utilized uh, by the jazz piano great Red Garland a lot, right? So it sounds like this. Pretty, right? And again, you can put any voicing in your left hand, any shell. Listen how big that sounds. Ooh. Nice. What a sound. So let's bring the ensemble in and let's listen to this. And again, I'm going to practice ascending and descending through the arpeggio, through the melody, using this octave with the added fifth um, treatment, using half notes first one time, then followed by quarter notes, then eighth notes, and then a little improvisation. Okay? And again, when I'm improvising, I'm only using the notes of the arpeggio, the F, the A, the C, and the E flat. So let's bring our ensemble in, let's check it out, and then we'll talk about it. Here we go. great sound, right? You know, uh, earlier I demonstrated uh, the, 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 the single note treatment and the unison treatment on A train. Well, listen to this. If I did the same thing here, if I added this octave with the fifth and played a little bit of the melody of A train. Wow. How about a little Oscar? So there you see those two treatments side by side. You see the red garland, the octave with the fifth in the middle, followed by the unison line, the Oscar Peterson treatment that we discussed earlier. You see how that contrasting, those contrasting treatments really transforms the melodic line, right? It 
when you orchestrate, wow, it takes your playing to another level. So let's let's continue the fun here, right? Let's go on to our fourth treatment, the locked hand style. And again, I uh, this this style is always associated with the jazz great George Shearing. So now we're going to uh, play our melody, our arpeggio in octaves, but we're going to split that octave between our right hand and our left hand. So in my left hand, I'm playing my F. With my thumb, I'm playing the octave above with my right hand, my little finger. So I have octaves split between both hands. And I'm going to, in between those octaves, fill in uh, with additional notes of the chord or the scale. Okay? So between my Fs, I'm going to have A, C, and E flat. Now I'm going to go to my A's. I'm going to have in between my A, octave A's, uh, C, E flat, F. My C, octave C, in between my octave C, I'm going to have E flat, F, and A. And then finally, my octave E flats, and I'm going to have F, A, C in between. So when I put that together, I get... What a pretty sound. Fantastic. So now let's bring our ensemble back in and uh, let's let's listen to the locked hand style, the George Shearing locked hands using our F dominant seventh as our melody, our arpeggio, F A C E flat. Again, half notes followed by quarter notes, followed by eighth notes followed by a little improvisation. So here we go. Let's bring the ensemble in. And let's check it out. absolutely love the locked hands treatment. You know, uh, let's go back to A-Train for a second. 
So, single note. Unison line here. Going into the bridge, how about a little George Shearing, locked hands. see the difference? You see what it does to a melody when we can start adding various treatments to the melody while we're playing? When we can start to orchestrate a melody? We can think like an artist? Changes everything. I mentioned earlier the educational podcast guides, the illustrations, the lead sheets, the play-alongs uh, that are available for all Jazz Piano Skills members to use. And I strongly suggest that you do. They're invaluable, and again, they will maximize, they will expedite and maximize your musical growth and help you successfully digest today's lesson. But I also want you to check out the Jazz Piano Skills courses. And again, they are easily accessible for all Jazz Piano Skills members, right? The Jazz Piano Sco uh, Skills courses uh, make up a tremendous sequential jazz curriculum that utilizes a self-paced format packed with all kinds of phenomenal goodies. Detailed instruction and illustrations, in-depth educational talks, interactive learning media, traditional guides and worksheets that you can download and utilize as well, high-definition video demonstrations of me playing the jazz piano skills in all 12 keys, play-along tracks, lead sheets, professional and personal educational support, and, of course, mobile access to all of the courses and lessons using any of your smart devices, whether it be your desktop or laptop, your tablet, your phone, your TV, or your watch. So check them out. Be sure to check out the Jazz Piano Skills courses. Again, if you are a Jazz Piano Skills member, member, you should be using these courses, right, and these lessons. They're there for your benefit. So check them out at jazzpianoskills.com. Okay, our final treatment, melodic treatment for today, we're going to take a look at fourthy structures. Right, kind of a Herbie Hancock approach to treating a melodic line. So now we're going to take our F dominant melody, our F dominant arpeggio, our F, A, C, and E flat. But we are going to support that melody with fourths underneath it. So for example, our F. I'm going to start with my F in my right hand. It followed with a C directly below it, followed by a G directly below that, followed by a D below that. In my left hand, the D is played in my left hand, followed by an A in my left hand. So I have three notes in my right hand, F, C, G, and in my left hand I have D and A. All right? 
if it's easier to think left to right, my left hand's going to have A, D. My right hand's going to have G, C, with the note F, my root, on top. Okay? Five notes total. I'm going to go to the third, my A, directly beneath it, F, which is a third, okay? But then everything else underneath that is a fourth. So now I have a C, followed by a G in my left hand, followed by a D in my left hand. Again, from left to right, in my left hand, I'm going to have D and G. My right hand, C, F, A. So my third, my melody, is on top. Next, I have my fifth, my C. Directly below that, G. Directly below that, D. All fours. Now my left hand, A, which is a fourth from the D, followed by E-flat. So again, going from left to right, E-flat and A in my left hand. And in my right hand, D, G, C. All right? And then finally, the seventh, the E-flat is on top. Directly below that, B-flat. Directly below that, F in my right hand. My left hand is going to have a C in my thumb there, and then a G, another fourth below. Again, moving from left to right, my left hand will have a G and a C, followed by F, B-flat, and E-flat in my right hand. So when I put that melody together, that arpeggio together, it's going to sound like this. Really nice. What a sound. Very different, right? So let's bring the ensemble in, and let's take a lesson, and let's check it out and see what we think. Here we go. Very, very hip, very herby, right? Really nice. Uh, again, I know that's a lot right there to throw at you, but 
uh, in the illustrations, in illustration guide, the lead sheet guide has these voicings all mapped out for you, not just for F, but for all 12 keys. So Jazz Piano Skills members, use the lead sheets guide, right? They will be a great help, especially with these fourthy structures. Wow. We have covered a ton of ground, a lot of information, right, in this short podcast. So I hope you have found, I hope you have found it to be incredibly insightful and beneficial, taking time to explore the dominant arpeggio treatments. Don't forget, if you're a Jazz Piano Skills member, I will see you online Thursday evening at the Jazz Piano Skills Masterclass, 8 p.m. Central Time, to discuss this podcast episode lesson in greater detail and to answer any question that you may have about the dominant arpeggio treatments or any questions that you may have regarding the study of jazz piano in general. Also, as a Jazz Piano Skills member, be sure to use the educational podcast guides for this podcast lesson and the Jazz Piano Skills courses to maximize your musical growth. Likewise, make sure you are an active participant in the Jazz Piano Skills forums and private Facebook group. Get involved and make some new Jazz Piano friends. As always, you can reach me by phone, 972-380-8050, extension 211, by email, Dr. Lawrence, Dr. Lawrence, Dr. Lawrence at jazzpianoskills.com, or by SpeakPipe, found on the Jazz Piano Skills website, in the educational podcast guides, and throughout the Jazz Piano Skills courses. Well, that's it for now. And until next week, enjoy the journey. And most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano. (music) 